Matthew chapter 13, if you have your Bibles this evening, and no, it's a lost season. <laughs> anyway, so thank God. Uh, Matthew 13, I mentioned this uh, illustration, in not in the details I'm going to mention it, uh, but uh, it just so fits this sermon, uh, I had to do it. I just recently heard about it, and then in searching for an illustration, I came across it, and I said, this is perfect. Danny Simpson was a man in 1990 who robbed an Ottawa bank, Ottawa Canada Bank, and he was sent to jail because of his bank robbery. He was caught, and when they examined the gun that he used for robbing the bank which in which he got $6,000. He was sent to jail for six years, but he was using a 45 caliber Colt semi-automatic that, was, uh, that turned out to be made by the Ross Rifle Company of Quebec City in 1918. And the pistol was worth more than $100,000. Had he known what he was using, he could have sold it for far more than what he got from the bank. In the text we're going to read, Jesus is talking about value. What do you value? And there are people who have things right in their hands, and they don't understand what they really hold And so I want to look with you at this. Matthew 13, these are parables. They're stories that are not necessarily true, but Jesus tells them to illustrate a truth. The kingdom of heaven, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is a man discovered hidden in a field. In In his excitement, he hid it again sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. That when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. I want to talk to you firstly about the immeasurable worth that we could have if we could recognize it. The very interesting thing about this is that both of these that are mentioned in these two parables, some believe they may be one parable that Jesus is illustrating the point and emphasizing it in the thought of a treasure in a field or a pearl of great price. But both of these first, the thought is they have to be found. And to be found, you have to know what you're looking for. There's all sorts of people who visit pawn shops and and, uh, and uh, uh, thrift stores and different things like that looking for things of value. There's a pastor in our fellowship. He has the ability to find these things. He went into a goodwill 
And he saw a watch that was in the cabinet for like $15. He bought it and sold it later for over $400. He recognized the value. So the question that Jesus first is asking without asking the question is what is valuable to you? He mentions a treasure of great value. He mentions a pearl of great value. And the thought there is the understanding is that this man could recognize the value in it. I'm not one who could recognize the value of pearls, and today pearls aren't necessarily worth what they were in Jesus' day because we have cultured pearls where they actually take pearls and they buff them and they put them back in the oyster and they, they may, you know, they get them and they're all exactly the same size and they're all exactly the same sheen and they did, but in Jesus' day they couldn't do that. And so pearls, if you don't understand how a pearl is made, let me enlighten you. An oyster gets a grain of sand or an irritant in their shell. Now, they don't have hands that they can pop out of, you know, it's not a cartoon. They pull the sand out and they can pop it away. So God has made them in the sense that they secrete a specific uh, uh, liquid that begins to form over the irritant. And it is not made for the lady's value to put on a necklace, a ring, or an earring. It is made for that oyster to no longer be uncomfortable. So often pearls will be in very, very strange shapes. There was a man in, uh, I believe it was uh, Singapore, who had, he was a deep sea diver and he actually got an oyster and he found the largest pearl that was ever taken out of the ocean. When they showed this pearl, it's not round. It's not one that you would put on a ring. It's so large you wouldn't want it on a ring, but, uh, or a necklace. But it is, it's, it's an oblong shape. It's not very, uh, uh, made to, it's not like you would think, you and I would think of pearls. So as a result, the thought of a pearl, a being of great value, meant that it had an extraordinary shape and sheen, and it would be something that would be recognized by someone who is looking for it. And in our text, it says that a man discovered hidden in the field a treasure, and a merchant was looking out for choice pearls. So in value, you have to ask first, what are you looking for? If faith is the substance of things that we're looking for, what are you looking for? Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That's Matthew 6, 33. So he asks the question here, or puts this out, of these two people that are looking for things. All of us in here probably are looking for things. We're looking for what 
would bring satisfaction, maybe blessing, maybe a, a future. Some are looking for relationships. Others are looking for uh, healing or different things. There's people that are looking for everything, uh, different things in life. And the parable that Jesus is talking about here is a collection or of wealth or something that's valued that can be recognized. He says the kingdom of heaven is like that. Now, to some, the kingdom of heaven is not worth much. It's taken, left, not a big deal, big deal. But as he puts this out there, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Something that is valuable. When I was a child... And this all came back as I was in Florida going through things, pictures, and discovered some things that were, you know, my childhood that I was like, wow, I didn't even know this was still around. And that kind of things that I valued like trading cards. I have a large extensive collection of 1972 NHL hockey player cards that are worth nothing. I tried to sell them on eBay. They were nothing. But the reality, when I was a young boy, they were worth a lot to me. That was a treasure. That was something I held on to. Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 8, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those who he's called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. That God looks on us as valuable. You know, he looks at the church. You you may not think everyone in here is valuable, but Jesus said you're valuable enough to die for. He put a great value on you. When there's conflict, crisis... We can lose value. There was a book that came out. My wife and I listened to it together. They eventually made it into a movie. I'll tell you, the book is far superior. It was called Monument Men. And what this was, was a group of men that began to go around in the end of the war when of World War II, looking for all of the, the valuables that had been looted by the Nazis all over Europe. They began, and they would have an eye for this. They would be able to recognize whether this was authentic or not. They would begin to know what they were looking for. They stumbled across a number of different salt mines that in southern Germany where Hitler had actually stored a lot of these paintings and treasures that some of them hang in places like the Louvre today. The thought of a lot of people, what are true riches? Jesus says, this is the kingdom. That's what he's putting the riches on. His purpose is in the earth. His kingdom. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like these things of great value. So we have to discover and esteem what is 
of great value or not. When we were, I've been overseas, many different countries. For a long time, I had kept a collection of coins from different countries. And eventually, I just kind of tired of that personally. And I gave it to uh, um, a couple in the Prescott Church. Their children were into this. They were collecting money from all over, and they were thrilled. And it was amazing to me as how much coinage I had. And I added up some of the values of notes and coins that I had. And it really had no value to me. There was no monetary. Like if I tried to change this into U.S. dollars, I might have gotten $5.55. You know what I mean? It was like not a lot of money. But to these children, it was thrilling. So they got this, they began to look through it, and they began to find, oh, that's from here and that's from there. And some currencies had been totally gone with the euro and different other things that had taken over. The British had come out with new 50 cent piece. And so, you know, that was probably the most valuable coin in there worth about 75 cents and different other things that just, they weren't of great value. People fantasize about finding treasure. It's called playing the lottery. Sad yesterday on outreach, seeing a guy get a stack of lottery tickets, you know, homeless. You could tell he wasn't well kept. I don't know if he had a home, but he wasn't well kept. He's scratching tickets, hoping, searching for that one. If we're not careful in life, we can begin to fail to recognize what is of true value and think it's going to be found somewhere else. Two true stories. What eventually became India's largest diamond mine was sold by a man so he could go to South Africa to find diamonds. Another true story was in California, Colonel Sutter heard, men, heard rumors of people finding gold south of him sold his ranch to move south. He sold the largest gold mine in California. Sitting right on top of value, but thinking it's somewhere else. Our text tells us that they find it in a specific place. They know where it is because they're looking for it. They're not looking to go off and find it somewhere else. They're looking for where they know it will be or when they find it, they recognize it. And they say, this is worth something. In Jesus' day, as he tells us, pearls were extremely rare and limited. And they were often a more sought-after gem than diamonds or rubies or emeralds. Or such as that. Pearls had at that time actually had a higher material and monetary value. We would think today, you know, gold, we've all heard the gold medal, but there's the metal that's worth more, which is platinum. Right? And so we all know that that they give out gold medals at the Olympics. That was the mark and all you know, the gold standard and all of that. Nobody says the platinum standard, and, but platinum's worth more, right? We know that. This is the true in Jesus' day that pearls were worth because you couldn't just dig them out of the ground. 
You had to work for them. Job, for instance, Job 28, 18 just tells us that wisdom is more valuable than pearls. Jesus uses that thought. In Matthew 7, verse 6, don't waste what is holy on those who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. They'll trample it and then turn and attack you. The thought of value, he uses that illustration to bring that out. Is the kingdom of God something that's valuable to you? Is it something that you say, this is, I want this? Because in both parables, the thought is, I have to sell everything to get this. That there's going to be nothing worth more than the kingdom of God. That nothing I have, nothing I could accumulate, nothing I could ever want would compare to buying, purchasing the kingdom, the treasure, the pearl. There's joy and excitement in this. Our text tells us that when the man finds the treasure in the field, in his excitement, he hides it again, sold everything he had, enough to buy the field. Because when you buy the field, you get what's in it. When we bought the church, it came with a lot of stuff. Not all we kept, but a, a lot of good stuff. We got tables, we got chairs, Not that we needed more chairs, but we got some good chairs. And we got, you know, also, and there were things we had to get rid of, but it came with value. That we're we're far beyond the building. Yeah, we paid for the bill, but we got wonderful chairs and tables and all of it. The treasures come when you purchase the kingdom. The Pharisees the religious that I ministered on this morning, they were always asking Jesus, when is the kingdom going to come? How do we know? Luke seventeen twenty, And Jesus said, the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs or it's not going to be something that you're going to see unless you value it. Relationships are like this. Some people see the value of certain relationships. I, in, in Springfield, Massachusetts, where I lived for numbers of years, they, they go against um, where Kellogg's is. I, can't, I forget the city now, someplace in Michigan, for the largest breakfast in the country. Springfield is just a bigger city, so it always wins hands down. But they set up tables all along Main Street and serve pancakes. And it was like six bucks, all you can eat, pancakes and, you know, coffee and juice. And it would take the kids down there. There would be all sorts of, uh, it'd just be a fun little time. Battle Creek, Michigan, that's who they, they went against. And I remember one year being down there because the state Republican convention was going to be held that night in Springfield. 
And I remember seeing a guy, and he had his hands in his face. He's all dressed up in a suit, and he, young kid, and he's trying to get in. I hear, overheard the conversation. He's trying to get, you know, get into the Republican convention because he's trying to make a name. He's trying to get to know. To him, this was value. And I'm kind of going, that's a lost cause. But anyway, especially, you know, the Republican Party in, in Massachusetts has about as much power as the Republican Party here in New York. It's not, you know... They're Democrat strongholds. But he saw it as valuable. I laughed. He saw it as valuable. I don't know whatever happened to this man, if he went on or whatever happened. But what do you see as valuable? What are you looking for? Do you have an eye for it? Can you see what God is doing as valuable? Because that's what Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is this. Psalms 119 verse 11, I've hidden my, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This term excitement is literally translated in others, joy or rejoicing. It means gladness, happiness. It has to do with an attitude. It has to do with an emotional response. Paul wrote and he said, the kingdom of heaven It's not in meat or drink. It's not in the outward rituals. It is in joy. It is in peace. And it is in righteousness. That's what the kingdom of God is in. Both of these merchants have to buy it to make it your own. The term my changes a lot of things. There are wives in here. There are good wives in here. But the term my wife changes everything. There are a lot of cars in the parking lot. Some maybe better than others, but there's a lot of cars in the parking lot. But the term my changes everything. When it's mine, my. It's one of the first words I, I was thinking about this as Vera's birthday was celebrated today, and she's a year. Now they're all a year. Now your life changes again. You think just having a baby changed your life. Now they discover how to say no and mine. And then things go from there. And so, right? But my changes everything. It's something that's in us. We know that we have the thought of possession They both sold everything to buy it, to make it mine. See, it's not just the kingdom of God. It's it's mine. The kingdom of God is mine. It's yours. If you want it, you can have it. You can purchase it and change it. Everything. Jesus tells of five foolish virgins and five wise virgins. And the difference was what they purchased. The five foolish, this is Matthew 25, asked the five wise, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough oil. Uh, We have enough oil for us. 
Go to your, go to the shop and buy some for yourself. Jesus tells the Laodicean church, I advise you to buy gold from me. He's not talking about physical gold. Jesus is not trading in, you know, gold or cryptocurrencies or anything like that. He's saying you buy from me the kingdom. He says, gold that has been purified by the fire and then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so the shame of your nakedness will not be seen. An ointment for your eyes so that you'll be able to see. Yes, God's kingdom is full of grace and God gives us lots of things. He gives us forgiveness. You don't have to earn that. He gives us blessings that... Often we don't deserve. But there are responsibilities that God tells us. You have to buy them. Proverbs 23, 23, get truth, buy truth. And do not sell it. Or the New Living Translation says never sell it. Put a value on it. Things can have great value in the beginning and lose their value later. You ever have to have something that sits in the back of your closet now and you haven't looked at it for years? But you had to have it. Purchasing something makes it our own. And this is what he says of the kingdom of God. We need to purchase the kingdom of God. God has such great things for us, but you have to purchase it. You have to make it your own. That's what it tells us in these parables. So the three questions that you can glean from the parable. What's valuable? Are you willing to sell everything to make it your own? And can you see the value in the kingdom of heaven? Because there are things you might value that aren't the kingdom of heaven. Not always wrong. I value my wife. That may not, you know, she's part of the kingdom of heaven. She's going to heaven. But that's not necessarily, you know, lots of people value their spouses who aren't saved. What you value, you make your own. So ask yourself that question. Are you willing to say, God, I want it to be mine. And I'm willing to do what it takes. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You're here this evening. Maybe you're not right with God. Not saved, not born again. Jesus Christ, he loves you. He cares for you in a great and mighty way. And he really does want to help you. But you have to see the value in what he has for you. That Jesus died for your sins. He cares about you that much. He values you Amazingly, that if you would receive him, you can experience the love and the grace and the mercies of God. But some people, they value their sin more. Some value their friends more. And they say, I can't do that. I'm going to miss out. I'm going to lose out. I'm going to, whatever it is. I'll lose status. I'll lose this. I'll lose that. 
And they only dabble. Some of them only rent the kingdom of God, if you will. You rent it, you don't own it. At the end, you can't take it all with you. If it was there before, it needs to stay thereafter in a rental. We would rent in Europe, they rent lots of furnished apartments. You don't get to take the furniture when you leave. You have to leave it there behind because it didn't, it came with the place while you used it. Our text tells us they purchased it. They made it their own. If you want to make Jesus your own, you've never done that or you're backslidden and you need to redo that, if you will. You've sold out. The mercies of God will bring you back. And that's you tonight. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, would, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to get my heart right with God. I'm, I'm gone. I'm away from Jesus. I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. I need to get my heart right. I need to value what he's done for me. Anyone at all. I've preached a short, simple message this evening. What do you value? Do you value the kingdom of God? Is it worth everything? Because that's what Jesus says it is worth. And not only did he say that, he proved it by dying for us, giving everything for us. So when you find it and you make it your own, mind changes everything. When it's your car, your house, your husband, your wife, your child, changes everything. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to, to make the kingdom of God ours. Purchase it. Make it ours. Make it real. Let's all stand. We're going to sing that song out. You make your face to shine on me. My soul knows very well. You make your face to shine on me, and then my soul knows very well. You lift me up, I'm cleansed and free, that my soul knows very well. When mountains fall, I'll stand, it's by the power of your hand, and in your heart of hearts I'll dwell, and then my soul knows very well, joy and strength each day I find. And that my soul knows very well. Forgiveness, hope, I know is mine. And that my soul knows very well. When mountains fall, I'll stand. It's by the power of your hand and in your heart of hearts I'll dwell that my soul knows very well when mountains fall 
I'll stand. It's by the power of your hand. And in your heart of hearts, I'll dwell. And then my soul knows very well. Let's give him praise. Let's worship him. Father, we love you. Oh, ra 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 ra